نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله تعالى من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهدي الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وسلم تسليما كثيرا أما بعد فإن خير الكلام كلام الله تعالى وخير الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم وشر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار الله سبحانه وتعالى تلزس أن القرآن إن الله لا يغير ما بقوم حتى يغير ما بأنفسهم الله does not change the condition of people until and unless they change what's in themselves يغيروا ما بأنفسهم I'm sure most of us have heard this ayah before and I, I also think that some people have made some resolutions for the new year it doesn't really matter people make commitments all the time but they break them I want to focus on this ayah today is because this ayah brings lots of hope. Some people now say that, well, I cannot change. I tried so much and I know I cannot change. After all, this is in my genetics, in my genes rather, it is genetics. Uh, I cannot do anything about it. My parents and grandparents were uh, disposed to be, for example, high in neurosis. They get angry so fast, they get upset so quickly. Or they're not orderly. I know I'm not orderly in my house. Uh, I'm always disorganized. Uh, and this is because of my biology, my genes. Uh, or they might say that uh, I'm not agreeable enough, or I'm an introvert, and, and, and on and on. But this ayah is telling us otherwise. This, this ayah brings a lot of hope because it says, you are able to change and you can make a change in your life. It is possible. If you're not convinced that you can change yourself, or you might say, I'm getting too old, I'm already 40 or 50, there's no way I can change. But this ayah is telling you, you can. Of course, there are limits, but you have to try. The other part of the ayah, which is also very important, key here in this issue, is the fact that it is saying that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not change the condition of a community, of any community, uh, local level, ummah level, until we change ourselves. Well, that indicates that it is Allah who changes the condition of a community, not us. See, what we do nowadays is the opposite. We're so consumed and concerned about changing the world we want to change this country and this government. We want to change this community. And we're not even looking at ourselves. Allah's formula is totally the opposite. Allah in, in this ayah is telling us, focus on yourself. Change yourself. Show me that you can change and I will make it happen. I will change everything else for you. Inna Allah. Again, pay attention. Who's the subject? Who's the object here? Who's... who's doing 
Allah does not change the condition of the community until we change ourselves. So we are in charge of our own change. And Allah is in charge of changing the community or the society or whatever, whatever else you want to change. Now, this is a very important formula to understand and to follow. And not to forget, forget about in real life when we go out and we read and we are sincere, no doubt, that we want to make a change. Nowadays, we see a lot of people, even young people who do not understand anything about life. They want to change everything around them. And they cannot even make a penny on their own. They have to rely on the allowance of their parents. And they want to change the whole entire economic system. Like you have not gotten your economic system straightened up and you want to change everything around you. So this is an important Islamic concept. You start here. Yourself, your family, your circle of influence. And then you expand, not the other way around. It doesn't work. And it's only going to bring frustration after frustration. And we see it over and over again. We wonder why. Now this concept is repeated many times. In the Quran and the Sunnah of the Prophet It's not just in one ayah. Look for example the advice that the Prophet gave to Ibn Abbas, a young boy. And this is why this kind of message has to be related to our kids. I mean, all, almost all of us here are parents. This is key. Ibn, Abb Ibn Abbas was given this advice when he was young. Some scholars say he might have been 11 or 12. And the Prophet told, told him, Ya ghulam, oh boy, inni mu'allimuka kalimat. I'm going to teach you a few words, not many in number. The first one, ihfadillah ihfadak. You start, you take the first action. Protect Allah and Allah will protect you. Now the order here is very important. You cannot switch the order. It says you start, you protect Allah. How do you protect Allah? Well, you protect the religion of Allah. You protect the commands of Allah. And then you deserve the protection of Allah. This is like the best advice we can give to our kids. Nowadays, we, again, we do the opposite. We, we are watching like a hawk. If something happens, we jump to defend our kids. We don't even know if they're at fault or not. Oh, my kid has to be right all the time. What are we doing though? We're giving the wrong message to our kids. That no matter what, no matter how much you're at fault, no matter how much you oppress and transgress, you are right. And I will come to your defense no matter what. So they'll never be strong on their own because they're always expecting somebody to come and defend them. Even at school, you rush, you fight with a teacher before you know what's going on. <clears throat> Slow down. And, and by the way, it is much better for the kid to learn how to speak to others and to defend themselves. Because sooner or later they have to face life on their own. You cannot be protecting them all the time. So this is a key message. It's a proactive message. You are responsible for your religion. You are responsible. And you have to be proactive in guarding the religion of Allah. No one is going to come and do it for you. Not your father, not your mother, not your friend. You are in charge. Not only that, he told him, Get to know Allah in times of ease. 
And Allah will know you in times of hardship, in times of difficulty. Again, what do we do today? We do the opposite. We forget about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in times of ease. And then when there is a hardship, we rush to the Imam, we rush to the Masjid. I'm not talking about anybody in particular, but this is a behavior we see around us. It's a pattern. We see these long dua, and we go into qunut, which is all okay, it's part of the sunnah. But what is also part of the sunnah is what the Prophet told Ibn Abbas You don't start when there's a calamity. That's too late. You start in times of ease. When people think they don't need Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is so important. In fact, the Prophet ﷺ told us in a different hadith, a very specific one. He said, مَنْ سَرَّهُ أَنْ يَسْتَجِيبَ اللَّهُ لَهُ فِي الدُّعَاءِ وَالشَّدَائِدِ وَالْكُرَبِ فَلْيُكْثِرِ الدُّعَاءَ فِي الرَّخَاءِ If you want Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to answer your dua in times of hardship and calamities and adversities, then let him make a lot of dua in times of ease. This is the prophetic formula, والسلام, Again, nowadays we, we forget about all of that. And we wait until we are in a moment of hardship and then we remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we rush to the Imam, we have this long list of dua. We want to tell the Imam even what dua to make. It's like a laundry list of dua. This is an abuse of dua, tahaddi fi dua. This is not how it's supposed to be. And, and we're reversing the prophetic order. We have to be proactive in everything. In our daily life, worldly life, and in our religious life. And again, you see this all over. Even when it comes to dhikr, and people think, well, dhikr is not a big deal. Anybody can do it. Yet, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us, فَذْكُرُونِي أَذْكُرْكُمْ You mention me first, and then I will mention you. This is to teach us to be proactive all the time. You start. You take the first step, no matter how small. You take it first. And then you'll see the response from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Nowadays, we sit down and wait. And then there's a problem, there's a hardship, we rush to the masjid. All of a sudden now, we want to know our Muslim community. We want to know our imam and the times of the prayers. This is not how it works. In fact, there's a beautiful uh, hadith, Qudsi, meaning that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala stated it. He said it. He said, Ana inda abdi bi. I am what my servant thinks of me. Whatever you think of Allah, you think that Allah is merciful, He will be mercy with you. You think He's going to punish you, He will punish you. I mean, whatever you think of Allah, Allah will be. That's a very powerful dua, by the way, or powerful hadith. <coughs> he said, I am with him or her as long as they remember me. But they have to, they have to take the first action, the first step. If he mentions me in private, in himself, you don't have to utter it. You don't have to even move your lips sometimes. He said, I will mention him in, in private. So you mention Allah in private, he will mention you in private. But who's taking the first step? You are. 
And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is teaching us a lesson here. وَإِن ذَكَرَنِي فِي مَلَئٍ ذَكَرْتُهُ فِي مَلَئٍ خَيْرٍ مِّنْهُمْ If he mentions me in public, in front of people, in a company, في ملأ, I will mention him in a company, in a gathering, better than them. The company of the angels, etc. But again, you see, you are taking the first step. And then he said, وَلَئِنْ تَقَرَّبَ مِنِّي شِبْرًا تَقَرَّبْتُ مِنْهُ ذِرَاعًا If you get near to Allah by a hand span, he said, I will get close to you by an arm length. So there is a very delicate formula here that we have to pay attention to. Number one, you take the first step. You have to be proactive. You cannot be reactive as we are today. I mean, now it's become so clear. It's like a pattern that Muslims are reactive all the time. And this is totally the opposite of the message of the Quran and the Sunnah. Even when it comes to your worship, you take the first step. And the second thing we learn here is that the step does not have to be big. If, you're not, if you cannot make a big step, make a small one, but do something. So imagine you're getting closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by a small distance, a hand span, nothing. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will get closer to you by an arm length. And then he said, وَلَئِنْ أَتَانِي يَمْشِي أَتَيْتُهُ هَرْوَلَةً And if he came to me walking, I will come to him running. This is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not in need of us. But again, this is a great lesson here. You come, you know, crawling, limping, walking toward Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You have issues. We all have issues. We have faults. We have shortcomings, we have defects, but you have to try. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can tell if you're trying or not. So even if you're limping, but you're making the move and you show the intention, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will come toward you running. And you're gonna see, you're gonna see a change in your life. So this is a very important formula. You see it all over the Quran and the Sunnah of the Prophet. Maybe a, a, a good illustration of this principle is when we look at the story of Maryam السلام, Now we know Mar Maryam was pregnant and she had to deliver all on her own. So imagine, I mean, it's already hard and I advise all the husbands to be by their wives when they're delivering. They're in dire need of your support. You should be there. But imagine Maryam in labor by herself, no one around to support her. You think, well, of course Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give her help right and left. But look what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said. Look what he told her. She was hungry, she wanted to eat. Like this is the last thing you want to worry about. I mean, you're already in labor and pain and you have nothing to eat. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told her, you have to do something. You have to, do, you have to take some action. I'm not just going to give you some dates. This is what many kids nowadays, that, that's the expectation they have from their parents. Anything they wish for, it's already available. On a silver plate, as we say. 
This is a wrong message. This is not the divine message. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told Maryam alayhi salam and shake the stem of the dead palm tree. Can you imagine? I mean, it takes maybe 10, 20 people. I don't even know if they can shake the stem of a dead palm tree. That many like strong men cannot do it. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is asking a woman in labor. What does that tell us? You have to be proactive. You have to take the first step. Maybe Maryam السلام, tried and she could not shake it at all. And Allah gave her the food, but she tried. And Allah wanted to see her trying. So what about us? Look at us, we are so desperate sometimes. You sit with many Muslims, the only message you hear is despair. What's going on? I mean, I know the situation is, I mean, sometimes it is hard. And you might say it is, you know, difficult. Everybody is, well, maybe does not like us enough, to put it mildly. We have Islamophobia, we have all kinds of things, right? We have oppression overseas. But this is not what Islam wants from us. To sit down and complain and talk about this uh, organization or that government. That's not how it works. Focus on yourself. Look at yourself. See how much you could do. I mean, it's like you, you are in a stadium and all of a sudden the lights go out. And as we say, it is so easy to curse darkness. And people do that. But imagine if one person in that crowd decided to do something different. So he lights a match or a candle or whatever, a flashlight. Now, now two things can happen. Some people will say, well, he's wasting his time. Look at him, pitiful. One light, like one match light or one flashlight, what is that gonna do? We're still in darkness after all. I mean, look around you, it's all dark. It's a little light there, but that's it. So that's one possible reaction, and we see that a lot. Even the people who are trying, the people who volunteer, what do we do? We belittle them. We make it harder for them. We criticize them. We go stop them in the masjid and tell them, hey, you did this wrong, and this wrong, and this wrong. And you, mister, how much have you done? What have you done? What gave you that audacity? to criticize someone else who's at least trying, and you do nothing. So that's one possible reaction. The other reaction, you might look at this man or this woman and say, wow, subhanAllah. I mean, look, they're trying at least. You know what, I'm gonna do something similar. Let me also light up a match. Let me also see, maybe I have some flashlight. I'll do something similar. And if everybody did it, and that's a trick, because you say, well, there's thousands of people here in the stadium. But imagine if everybody focused on themselves, like the Qur'an says, and did what they could do, the little they can do. Before you know it, the whole stadium will be lit up. And that's really the Qur'anic message. I'm sorry, there's no way around it. You should not be waiting for this miracle in the future. And this future never comes. We keep waiting and wasting, in fact, month after month, year after year, and nothing happens. And you wonder why. Well. Look at yourself. What have you done? What have we contributed?
Alhamdulillah, wa salatu wassalamu ala rasulillah, amma ba'an. In the few remaining minutes, let me conclude with another hadith, because I'm telling you, you read the Quran and Sunnah, this is the message that you see recurring over and over again. The fact that you have to be proactive. If you, you study the seer of the Prophet ﷺ, from day one until he died, ﷺ, every step he was ahead of the game. He was always proactive. He was not waiting for anyone else. He was not reacting like we do today. And it doesn't matter if you are in a position of weakness or strength, that's irrelevant by the way. So in this hadith, the Prophet ﷺ told us, The strong believer is better and more beloved to Allah than the weak believer. Now let me put a caveat here. Some people think that this is related to how strong your body is. And let me tell you, if it is something you put in, like the effort you put in to make you stronger, fine. But you cannot use this hadith to say, well, I'm larger, like genetically, uh, I'm bigger, right? Uh, you know, thanks to my ancestry. This is not what the Prophet ﷺ is talking about. He's not praising you for something you have nothing to do with. So obviously in this hadith, there's some homework, there's something we have to do in order to become stronger. This is why Allah loves it. I mean, He doesn't love you, and the Prophet told us in a different hadith, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not care to look at your pictures and your images and your shapes. But He looks at your actions and your hearts. So obviously the Prophet here is talking about something you can do that makes you stronger. And he told us in the same hadith, just continue reading. Don't stop there. So he said, number one, in fact nowadays people are fond of programs, like three-step program, 10-step program, 20-step program. Well, this is a good one. This is only a three-step. So three things he told us to do. To become stronger. Number one, Seek after what benefits you. I mean, could it be said more concisely, more eloquently and fluently? Seek after what benefits you. This is the first step. Don't sit down and wait and say, well, maybe someone else will try it and see how it works and then maybe I'll follow through. Don't say, well, I'm going to call upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala first. It didn't say that. It didn't say make dua first. First thing is, go up, get up. Get out there and seek what benefits you. Don't be lazy. Don't be lazy physically. Don't be lazy mentally. Go out there and seek what benefits you. You have to seek it. You have to search it. Go after it. And number two, وَاسْتَعِمْ billah. And then... Seek help from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Again, the order is important. Nowadays, we reverse it. We keep making dua and we wonder, how come Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not answering our dua? Well, maybe because you're not doing it right. Maybe because you're not following the right order. And we see different types of people. Like we see a lot of people who do the first step so well but they don't do the second step. Because usually when you go out and seek the benefit, you will see some returns, 
And that makes people forget about Allah. They think they don't need Allah. And that's the majority of people, in fact. You know, Muslims, non-Muslims, <coughs> all kinds of people. But to be so successful, to be truly successful, you've got to combine the two. You go out and seek as much as you can, and you ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for help. Now you've got it. You are now really successful. Because then Allah will help you and make you even more successful. And then there's a third step, which some people forget about. Don't you ever quit. Because also what happens, you get on the right path and you're excited. And that's what happens all the time. People get excited. They make these resolutions, these commitments, and they're good for a day or two, a week or two, and then they quit. They stop. Oh, this didn't work. Or there's an obstacle. Obviously, there's going to be obstacles. Who said it's going to be uh, you know, a paved path for you? No one said it. Look at the prophets. All their lives was made of obstacles. The struggles they fought is what made them who they are. And the difference between the successful and the not so successful is that last 10%. Like everybody is trying. No one is sitting home and totally being idle. Maybe they're few. But most people are trying. What happens though, they get so close and then something happens. And they are disappointed, they're frustrated. Oh, it didn't work, I tried three times. So what, try four times, try 10 times. لا تعجز. Don't you ever quit. Because that's gonna distinguish you. That's gonna differentiate you from the people who fail. You keep trying and trying and trying. Of course you have to correct the course if you're making a mistake. But you should not quit. You can, yeah, you can self-correct on the way. Maybe check, you know, your, your path. Maybe, maybe you did not take the exact path. But you cannot quit. So again, three steps. Seek what benefits you. Be very active, proactive about it. You know, give it your best. And then seek help from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then third, don't you ever quit. Keep trying and trying. If you die trying, it's far better than, you know, sitting and waiting for the qadr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The qadr will come to you when you're trying. So these are like three very actionable items. They're very like realistic steps that we all can do. Maybe before I end, just to again illustrate how common this theme is in the Quran and the Sunnah of the Prophet I'll finish with a verse we all recite all the time in every prayer and every rak'ah. We all know Surah Al-Fatiha, right? And the center of Surah Al-Fatiha, like maybe the most important verse. In fact, some scholars have written books about it. Like Ibn Al-Qayyim in Madarij Al-Salikin. He wrote a whole book about the verse, إِيَّاكَ نَعْبُدْ وَإِيَّاكَ نَسْتَعِينَ Because that is the key message of that surah. In fact, he said, this is the key to the entire Qur'an. The whole Qur'an is teaching us two things. How we worship and how we seek help from Allah. This is the entire religion summarized in one uh, chapter. And that chapter is summarized in one verse. In fact, if you look at the beginning of the surah, you're only 
introducing yourself and making dua so that Allah accepts that dua. Like you praise Allah over and over again, you're building up the momentum, and the, you could say the climax is What does it say in this ayah? Again, let's look at the order of the ayah. There's only like two statements here. It is you that we worship, it is you that we seek help from. But what is the order? First, you take the action. You are proactive. You take the first step. You worship. That is your action. That is not Allah's action. It's your action. It is you that we worship. We. And then we seek help from Allah. So that is Allah's action. Again, nowadays we worry about Allah. Like how come Allah is not answering my dua? That's Allah's action. It's not yours. Mind your own business. Your action is to worship. And again, the order matters. He said, first, and then This is not a coincidence. There are, not, there are no coincidences in the Quran. Every letter is for a reason. <coughs> so imagine in this, you know, key ayah, this fundamental ayah, you see that this order. We take the first action, we worship you, O Allah, and then you help us. Both are important, of course, and uh, scholars have looked at the different types of people. So they said some people worship but do not ask for help, and some people ask for help but do not worship, and some people do neither. But the successful people are the people who do both. And you do them in the right order. So, so stop blaming, you know, Quran, you blame, some people blame the religion. Let's make sure we follow it properly. Let's make sure we understand it correctly. And do it for a while. And see the change in your life. And enjoy it. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us guidance in this life and hereafter. Allahumma rabbana la tara lana fi hadha al-yawm al-azim yidhamban illa ghafartah wa la hamman illa farrashtah wa la dayna illa qadaytah 